Okay, I was sitting here, like we waited until 9.15 Eastern on Sunday night for anything big. And you know what? We got it. Dixon Machado switching clubhouses in San Francisco. He's a giant. This is the Just Baseball Show on Monday, August 1st. Dixon Machado, what you got to say, Arm Layton? Stove. I was thinking about this. Who is the buyer and who is the seller in a Dixon Machado trade? Because he's not a prospect. He's a minor leaguer, technically, who is very old yeah. and will help the big league team for the Giants. So who's the buyer and who's the seller here? So I think the Giants bought Dixon Machado because didn't cash considerations go back? Correct. So I guess by definition, they're literally the buyers. They're literally the buyers. I was just watching Sunday Night Baseball in which they flashed a KBO graphic that featured both Adrian Sampson, Sunday Night Baseball starting pitcher for the Cubs, and Dixon Machado, the newly acquired San Francisco Giant playing in the KBO during 2020. Um, So that's where we're at with the trade deadline. We're going to talk about a bunch of other shit. You're on LBI, Long Beach Island, not Long Beach, California. You're on the Jersey Shore. Um, have you seen Snooksy Poo? And then how was the national? I was hoping I did not. Uh, you see more Snooky lookalikes in New York City, actually. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Atlantic City is the worst city I've ever been to. Um, it's not <laughs> even close. The national was great. I will I'll preface with that. I had a blast. I picked up some awesome cards. Trey Turner, by the way. He's about to sign a $300 million contract plus, you know, right? And he's he's on his way. He's got a lot of work to do, but he's on his way to being a Hall of Famer. His cards are super cheap. Picked up a couple of really cool Trey Turner cards I'm excited about. But yeah, it was an awesome experience. Got to, you know, bop around and have a good time and see that 25 to $30 million Mickey Mantle card that is expected oh, yeah, to be yeah, sold. Yeah. But, but aside from that, I couldn't get out of Atlantic City fast enough. And we're lucky enough that uh, family friends of ours are letting us stay out here at their house in LBI. It was about like 30, 40 minutes away. So Colby and I have been out here. And uh, man, Atlantic City is the worst place on earth. Um, yeah. Shocking, actually. Depressing, sad. Uh, yeah, don't go there. Uh, just just don't. Yeah. Hey, speaking of worst place on earth, um, you know how White Sox telecast do socks math? Where they yeah. take, yeah, so a bunch of like baseball numbers and you add and multiply and subtract. So, um, would you do me a quick favor and take your new rent in Manhattan oh. and uh, subtract my rent in Indy from your rent in Manhattan? What do you get? My rent? <laughs> no, you get another apartment in a major city, dude. I'm getting wrecked there. Don't want to talk about it. Please del- just like download the podcast you don't listen to. So that I can afford this shit, <laughs> please. Um, you know we we don't we we don't have a subscription model. Go click around some articles on justbaseball.com. Yeah. I'm getting hosed on rent in New York City right now. Um, it, it is crazy. 
and it was we were excited bro we're like yes we got the apartment <laughs> we're getting wrecked for a lot of money but yeah you know it, it, it's expensive it's not the it's not a fair return but sometimes you got to pay up right yeah and, and sometimes you got to pay up to seize the moment and the seattle yeah. mariners did that oh the seattle mariners did that hell of a transition my friend um i was gonna go somewhere else but we can go to luis castillo now um yeah how about that Luis Castillo from Cincinnati to Seattle. By the way, you were a guest on uh, Late Night Reds, which was awesome, and you were recognized for being that. We were just talking about that before we started recording. But uh, Luis Castillo from Cincinnati to Seattle for Noel V. Marte, who is a top 25 prospect on just baseball's top 100. Edwin Arroyo, who's an 18-year-old shortstop, was drafted out of Puerto Rico last year, and Arroyo will be on the midseason top 100 for just baseball. Levi Stout, who is the number five Mariners prospect. He's a right-handed pitcher who's not throwing that well, but his fastball runs up to 99. He'll probably, like you tweeted, slot into the 15 to 20 range in the red system. And then Andrew Moore, who's been a really, really effective reliever in the lower levels of the minor leagues. A lot of people are saying that it was a win-win. I've Mm -hmm. seen some people say that it was a win for Cincinnati. I lean with the former. I say win-win because... We've talked about it before. The price of trading for a star is almost always worth it because you have no idea what these guys are going to turn into. It really feels like it was worth it for both sides. It, it absolutely was. And, and you know, I, I said this to you on FaceTime, but like what it really boils down to is that the fact that the Seattle Mariners have the last time the Seattle Mariners made the playoffs, Noelvi Marte's mother was pregnant with him. That's incredible. Like, that's all you got to know. Like, that's all you got to know about the situation. Right. And, and I think Noel Marte is going to be a good player. I think a Royal, I, I think both of them are going to be good players, but you, you talk about how difficult it is to, to really be able to peg, you know, where these prospects ultimately end up. It's funny. I was actually today would have been Jose Fernandez's 30th birthday. Yeah. And I was revisiting a trade package that was proposed by the Diamondbacks that David Sampson spoke about a couple years ago mm-hmm. uh, for Jose Fernandez. A couple really good prospects that ended up having decent big league careers, but even so, would have been a horrible trade. Centered around Brandon Drury and Patrick Corbin. And I know Corbin's had some really good years in spurts, and you know you you would have got some good value there. But like those are two guys that have carved out long big league careers, and it's still not worth it. Right. So just to think about it from that lens, it's almost. of the time, it's worth it to to go get the star. Yes, the Reds brought in a haul, and I love it from the Reds' perspective. We can break down the prospects a little bit in a second. Yeah, Mariners trying to break a two-decade playoff drought. Um, You know, getting a guy like Luis Castillo, who, by the way, has looked as good as anybody right now. And when we know when he's on, he's as good as anybody. I'd give him the ball uh, just like I'd give almost anybody else the ball when he's on, right? I, I trust him when he's on as much as anybody. It's just really the ebbs and flows that come with the with the Luis Castillo experience of the right. entire season. Uh, I, I really think this is a good pickup for the Mariners. It puts them in another, you know, level here where you can really feel confident about what they're doing. And I don't think they're done. I think they're going to go make one or two other small moves. And Jared Kelnick made some swing adjustments looking good. Kyle Lewis coming back, Mitch yeah. Hanniger coming back again. I've talked about them a few times on the podcast. I, I, I do think that they are going to make a run here. Okay, so my heart sank from my chest to my lower intestine when Julio Rodriguez got hit in the hand. X-rays negative. That's the best thing. And it felt like baseball luck for you to pull off that blockbuster trade for Luis Castillo and less than 24 hours later, 
J-Rod breaking his hand out for the year. Thank God that doesn't yeah. happen. It'll just be a couple of days. He's not going to swing for the next couple of days. He'll be back this week. Looking at that front three, we'll talk Mariners quickly because that is every conversation about the Mariners now is up at the big league level. And then we'll talk about the Reds and what they have going on below the big league level and some young talent at the big league level too. But the Mariners, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, Luis Castillo is a front three in a playoff rotation. Hard to beat that. Hard to beat that. And and I, I like the bullpen. I think they'll go get another piece or two. George Kirby as your fourth guy. Yeah. I mean, if, if Gilbert is faltering a little bit, you know, and you get through the first series, maybe you go to Kirby. Like the fact that trio there is really good. And each of those guys, when they're on, can win you a bowl game. I, I like that situation. And the lineup, it's as good as anybody's when they're all healthy and they're all going. Yeah, but yeah, man. you know, it's a lot of trust in 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 Logan Gilbert. Yeah. But I think he's earned that at this point this year. And again, Robbie Ray starting to look a lot better again. And Luis Castillo, we've talked about it. I mean, that that guy's probably he could get the ball game one easily. I, I understand the argument that we have to see more from Logan Gilbert, but he's got a two eight. I mean, it's yep. it's really hard to ignore a two eight from Logan Gilbert. And, and if when that's your not, third guy in the postseason, that's I'm your good. that's your third starter. That's I'm fine good. with me. And and I love shitting on Robbie Ray as much as anybody. You know that I am a I am anti Robbie Ray. I can't deny what this guy has done over the last month and a half, two months. As the Mariners have gotten hot, Robbie Ray has been the ace that they signed for five years and over $100 million. He's pitching like it. I feel like he's going to continue to pitch like it this year. Well, and What I love, too, is is I have a lot of confidence in Robbie Ray, the number two pitcher. I yes. don't have a lot of confidence yes. in Robbie Ray, the ace, right? Because I, I think Robbie Ray, again, another ebbs and flows guy that by the end of the year, he's low mid threes and he had a, a lot of strikeouts and he gave you some dynamite starts. And that's a really good pitcher. That's probably not a quote unquote ace. I think Castillo is the ace now. And you can kind of hang your hat on Robbie Ray is really good too, who will show flashes of an ace. But if my rotation is led by a Robbie Ray, I'm a little more nervous. So I like that they've got another top end guy there. It's all semantic as to who's the quote unquote ace. Yeah. I think Castillo is the best pitcher in the rotation. But the larger point is you have two guys, two horses that you can trust at the top. And I have a lot more confidence in both of them together than just Robbie Ray. And I think anybody on earth would agree with that. And the more that I've dug internally, I'm starting to get um, – I know that I was calling everybody at the beginning of the year a number higher than what they were. Like I was calling threes, twos, and I was calling fours, threes. Now I think I'm being a lot more selective with it as <laughs> I have dove deep. I went to a silent retreat to try and figure this shit out. And I think that Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray, neither is really an ace. I think you have 1A, 1B. Yeah. And a 1A, 1B, 1B, like what you're saying – I like having Robbie Ray as a 1B, not a Correct. 1A. Castillo Correct. is a 1A, Ray's a 1B, Gilbert's a legitimate 2, and Kirby can be your – I mean, he's a 4. Like, that's awesome that a rookie yeah. George Kirby's a 4 when he can turn into a 2 in a year or two. So they are really exciting. You mentioned when the offense is healthy, they're good. Let's shift to the Reds because what they have – let's look at five years of control. How about four years plus of control? You're looking at Tyler Stevenson – Jonathan India, Jose Barrero, Ellie fucking De La Cruz, <laughs> Noel V. Marte, Edwin Arroyo, Matt McLean, now Cam Collier, who you just drafted. Uh, who else? Jay Allen, Reese Hines, 
Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, Graham Ashcraft, Brandon Williamson, Levi Stout, Chase Petty, Andrew Rabbit, Bryce Bond, and Christian Rowe. Like this, Connor Phillips. I didn't even say Connor Phillips. This is a top three system in baseball. It's Cleveland. And with all the graduations in Seattle, it might be Cincinnati at two. And, you know, you can make the Dodgers case. And then, yeah, I think Cincinnati's right there. You the Dodgers know? don't have the depth that Cincinnati has. I mean, no, Cleveland has more depth than anybody. But yeah. Cincinnati, the fact that I just named 15 guys, that's all the depth you need, man. And balance now, too. You know, yes. I loved that they went out and got arms, right? Like they went and got so much pitching depth over the last, you know, six months or so in the offseason, making some of the trades and going into the year. I mean, to get a Chase Petty, to get a Connor Phillips, to get a Brandon Williamson. That was awesome. Those are all really good. And Joe Boyle. We didn't even mention Joe Boyle. Joe, Joe Boyle, Boyle was up to 99 last outing. Now he continues to be undeniable as a lights out starter after being a guy that we almost relegated to the bullpen when he was drafted. Yeah. Uh, crazy fastball. Uh, so, you know, they have just so many pitchers. Now they add a, a, our number 21 prospect coming into the year, consensus top 25 and Noel V. Marte. And then Edwin Arroyo, a switch hitter who has plus defensive ability at shortstop. So, I mean, now you have several shortstops that I think are very exciting. I think Noel V. Marte moves to third. But ultimately, you have Barrero, De La Cruz, you have yeah. McLean, you have Arroyo. And, you know, for now, Marte, I think he moves to third. That is awesome. Um, and and I think they are in a really good spot system wise, and a lot of these guys are close proximity wise. Uh, Dela Cruz already homered again, second home run, twenty second of the year in Double A today, as we're recording this on a Sunday. Yeah. And also, you have somebody like McLean who's going to climb quickly, already hitting pretty well in Double A. Could could do a little bit better consistency wise, eight hundred OPS still overall. Um, and, and I think you're going to see Noel V. Marte up in double before long. He's putting up great numbers in high A, and I think could be a 30 home run guy with 20 stolen bases and a high on base percentage. He'll probably be up by next year. So Clay Snowden, who's our Reds guy at just baseball, was uh, he was on his bachelor party uh, weekend getaway this past weekend. When this Castillo deal went through, he was hopping on Twitter spaces and joining late night Reds talk. I mean, this dude is a content freak, yep. literally opting out of his bachelor party to talk about this. And I think what he's feeling right now about the Reds is echoed. And I know that the Reds have this rabid fan base. They hated ownership. They hated the Cincinnati Reds. Reds fans hated the Reds in April. I think when Wednesday rolls around, Reds fans are going to like the Reds again because they're showing something. They're showing the ability to move forward. Uh, so, yes and no. I, I totally agree with at least they have a direction. Yeah. Are they going to spend when the core is together? Probably so not. Like, that's the question, right? So that, And I think they might, though. That's the thing is I think Reds fans should feel good, and I think they should feel confident. I think having a direction one is is great, and I think they're doing an unbelievable job of maximizing these returns. But the second thing is, once you build that core of controllable pieces, teams like the Reds of the world, they've got to pick their spots to spend, right? We talk about the Marlins. They built the core of pitching, controllable pitching. That's cheap. And they picked their spots to spend. They were just dumb enough to spend that on Avi Garcia and Jorge Soler. Yes. The Reds can't do that on Mike Moustakis again, right? No. But are they going to try it again? I think they will. I do. I think they're going to spend in the right spots. Castellanos didn't make sense. See what you've got with some of these other guys and attack free agency, you know, strategically. 
I think they're going to do it. And I think one or two signings with the core that they have, I think that'll be a lot of good faith for Reds fans. And I, I see a lot of Reds fans in my mentions anytime. I mean, most of them are really excited and passionate and, and, yeah. and looking forward to the future. But anytime I tweet about the Red system, I always get a bunch of, great, we won the farm system World Series, or no, I don't care. Like, I get it. I understand yeah. your frustration. But a direction is the most important thing or else you're stuck in the purgatory. They've got the direction. Now the biggest test is, will they spend when the core is all there and they're a few pieces away? Yeah. I think they will. Because they're going to clear Joey Votto money. Yep. They're going to clear Mustakis money. Yep. And Henio Suarez is gone. Yep. Um, you know, they they clear the Castillo money. They didn't have they're to pay Castillo. Clear. They won't have to pay Tyler Malley very soon. There's a lot of reason to believe that they'll they'll cough up a few extra bucks. I think coming forward, even for the Reds. I think so too. Uh speaking of direction being pretty much the entirety of the battle. Um, the Bill Schmidt hype train waits for absolutely nobody. However, I've been on, I've been in the first class uh, train car, and I felt a little bit of bumpy tracks when they signed Daniel Bard to a two-year extension. Daniel Bard loves it in Colorado. I am totally aware. I am also totally aware that Daniel Bard likely would have re-signed with the Rockies in free agency. Uh, what I raised both of my eyebrows at was the fact that you did not trade the best reliever on the market for guys that can in turn help the team that Daniel Bard will re-sign with this offseason. Uh that <laughs> feels like they fumbled the bag big time. Dude, I love I love the Rockies. And they're so funny. Like that's why reply? that's why we love them though. Did you see my reply to to that when the second I saw the I was at the national <laughs> I just pulled my <laughs> phone out. I saw the bard the bard thing. I was like in the middle of like basically looking at cards, probably bartering for my Trey Turner card. Right. <laughs> and I literally just tweeted just like, ha ha, the Rockies are so weird. Like that was just all I could think of. I was just like, like laughing out loud. I'm like, they're so weird. This is the same organization. This is the same team that didn't offer a qualifying offer to John Gray, who they knew would be signed by somebody else. Yes, and would guarantee them a compensation pick. It's literally right? just to get so a pick. You just get a pick. And actually, the way compensation picks work is, if a guy signed, you get a compensation B pick, which is after the second round. If a guy signs for more than 50 million, get a compensation A pick, which is basically a first round pick. It's like a, between 31 and 39, depending on how many there are, right? Yeah. And he signed for what? 56 million? 54? Yeah. They would have had a, basically another first round pick. And they just said, nah, we're good. And they had a great draft. Like, it was they, like they, All they did was offer him a QO. It's like the equivalent of like Jack, a first round pick is 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 right on the floor for you to just all you have to do is reach over and pick it up. And they just chose not. No, to. I'm good. Five second rule. I'm not so touching that. On the Daniel Bard thing, 186 ERA at cores, 22 saves, a, a 1.03 whip. Like he's been dynamite yeah. this year. 44 Ks, 19 walks. Yeah. He was, you know, I, I, this is an opportunity. This is a guy that had a 5 2 ERA last year, by the way, too. Yeah. Great story. I love Daniel Bard. He could easily regress next year. Yeah. And now you're on the hook for two years of Daniel Bard. You could have got a top 100 prospect for this guy. Oh, easily. Easily. You could have gotten a young MLB player. Yep. I mean, dude, Chris Martin got you Zach McKinstry. Yeah. That's a great return. Like, I, that's where I'm floored. 
I, I and like I don't I we you got to toe the line right of we we slam teams for always selling and not trying to compete and blah 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 and like I'm aware of that yeah but what the fuck are the Rockies gonna do with a 37 year old closer who's having his career year I'm not sure uh, they're they're for they need more than that and they could have gotten a haul for him relative to to you know what he is worth to them and. uh you know what? It just makes me love the Rockies even more. <laughs> yeah, I think I just I latch on to ineptitude, and uh, there are some things that never change. Even if you change president of baseball ops and, and general managers, like some things may never change. And uh, I I got a good friend Cody Voga who I work with at Ball State, who is a Rockies fan. Grew up in rural Iowa. Um, grew up a Rockies or a he became a a really big Rockies fan. And uh, he he sent me a thread from Matt Gross. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Gross 87. And it's got the one slash X. So I will spare you all the other ones. But I'm going to read you the first one. Quote, if you don't follow the Rockies and think, quote, hey, this move makes no sense. You'll never find a rationale looking through the lens of building a competitive team. The thing you have to understand about the Colorado Rockies is that they care about their culture above all else. They ID'd Daniel Bard as a culture guy. They decided that he was a nice guy and a good guy that has been through the ringer and they wanted to extend him, much like they did for Kyle Freeland moments ago, uh, a couple months ago. Um, and they will continue to Rocky all over the place, which I can't get enough of. God bless the Colorado Rockies and their fan base. So I'll say on that, because that's beautifully put. The Rockies stink this year, relatively, right? I mean, they're they're not good. They're 10 games under 500, right? They're seventh in Major League Baseball in attendance. That's awesome. The only teams with a better attendance than the Colorado Rockies are the Houston Astros, San Diego Padres, Atlanta Braves, New York Yankees, St. Louis Cardinals, Los Angeles Dodgers. Those are all basically guaranteed playoff teams and all teams that have a legitimate crack at the World Series. Teams right behind the Colorado Rockies, the Chicago Cubs, the Boston yeah. Red Sox, the New York Mets. Yeah. So, look, we can make fun of them from a, from a baseball standpoint. Yeah. Clearly this like culture and fan favorite and fit thing, it, it works. Like they draw, man. Yeah. They draw, and that's how you make money. Their TV ratings are pretty good. I think. I think like they're doing something right. They're doing something right. So look, ultimately, you want to win, but it's a lot harder to win than be likable. Mm-hmm. It's easier to control being likable. Winning's mm-hmm. hard as shit. Um, so you know, like they're trying to win in certain ways. They're signing certain players, but I think they felt like okay, you get one top one hundred guy, sure. But let's just continue to, to lean into this building a really likable culture thing and keep going. Um, 32,971 a game. Uh, that's all I that's got. That's incredible. Say. Fans trust that they're never going to fully deplete the roster. And I think that's that's something that has some value there. I'd like to see them good, though. Uh, that'd be cool. Listen, but it's really hard to build a team at cores, man. It really is. Hey, let's let's dream for a moment, prospect head. Um, let's mm. talk about September 1st, 2024. Starting catcher, Drew Romo. At first base, Michael Tolia. Yep. At second base, uh, let's say Adel Amador. Adel Amador. That works. At short, Ezekiel Tovar. At third, Ryan McMahon. Yeah, he's never left won. is Chris Bryant. 
Yeah. Center is Zach Veen. Yeah. And who's in right? Connor Joe? <laughs> Forever. I'm so uh, in. They've got a bunch of other outfielders that I think have some intrigue. You know, you're hoping Montgomery, he won't be ready by then. Benny but you know, they've, they've, got, yeah. they've got other outfielders that could pan out, but also it's really easy to satisfy a corner. It's funny. You go to MILB TV right now as we're recording this, and it's watch Rocky's Abador continue breakout campaign. Hell and yes. Adel Amador is acing his first full season. 305, 416, 473 slash on. And he's like their sixth or like fifth ranked prospect at this yeah. point. They have a really good system, which is crazy. Um, I picked up a Zach Vianato at the National. Nice. Uh, and no, th- this is a really intriguing future. It really is. So, I, you know, I, I get what they're building. I yeah, just yeah. don't understand some of the moves in between. And this yeah. is one of those. But again, if you can just keep butts in seats and still stay true to the the deeper level you know, plan that you have. Yeah, it works. Tovar could be a star shortstop. I said Tovar and Amador up the middle in 2024 could be one of the most exciting young middle infields in baseball. And that's and not Veen up the middle. Veen and Veen up the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who talks about up the like who who talks about, oh, that could be the sickest trio, shortstop, second and center. Like, who You're says right. that? But You're yes, right. I, I do agree. That could be freaking insane. Hey, speaking of um the front office lacking any common sense, is Colby Olson next to you? He is indeed. There we go. Hey, Colby. Uh, Colby Olson does great analytics stuff for us at Just Baseball. He is also a Heimbloom truther for some weird reason. And what we would like to do now is a dramatic reading of the Boston Red Sox lineup from Sunday, July 31st. They did win this game 7-2, by the way, but that's not what matters here. Jalen Davis was the leadoff man in the right fielder. Xander Bogarts, who you guys refused to pay, was the two-hitting shortstop. J.D. Martinez, who was on the block, was the three-hitting D.H. Christian Vasquez was the cleanup man, the big bopper, Christian Vasquez. Alex Verdugo, who is as underwhelming as they possibly come right now, is the five-hitting left fielder. Bobby Dahlbeck, who is still blocking. It's like that clump of hair that gets stuck in the shower sink. And Tristan Casas is the goo gone, trying to get rid of it. But Bobby Dahlbeck is right there. He was the first baseman. The seven-inning third baseman was the guy that lost a ball in the lights the other day in uh, in primetime, Christian Arroyo. Yolmer Sanchez, former White Sox, former player or, uh, former player known as Carlos Sanchez. Yolmer Sanchez was the eight-hitting second baseman. And Jackie Bradley Jr., the true winner of the Hunter Renfro trade, was the nine-hitter in the center fielder. And the starting pitcher, Josh Winkowski. How do you feel about it, Colby? That could have that, that been the AAA team. Um, and it's funny that you bring up Christian Royal losing one in the lights because there's many people that have lost one in the lights as of late for the Red Sox. But yeah. what I will say, Jack, is this is some, you know, I, I watched Zero Dark 30 recently. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of feel like what you're doing to me right now is like I'm in a bunker somewhere in a dark room tied mm-hmm. up and you are just trying to torture me and get information out of me right now. And I'm I'm not going to bite. I'm not going to give you the information. Okay. So um, the Boston Red Sox, as a team offensively in the month of July, put together a 0.6 F war in July. Do you know who was a spot above them with a 0.8 F war? You could tell me any team at this point. The Detroit Tigers were a spot above the Boston Red Sox. Um, The Boston Red Sox, again, had a 0.6 F war as an offense. What do you think 
your arch nemesis, the New York Yankees, put together? Oh, I mean, with Judge being so on fire, LeMahieu coming through, I will say Stanton has has been slumping, but they're probably up there. They're probably one or two. Uh, no, they're 8.6. 8. Is 6. that first? Is that first? That is first. That's okay. first by uh, 0.8 wins. Uh, the Dodgers are second. The Astros are third. But looking at the rest of the American League East, the Yankees put together 8.6 F war as an offense. The Blue Jays, 5.5 was fourth. Tampa was actually fifth with 5.4. Uh, what's the other team in here? Baltimore? Oh, they've got a 3.3. And the Boston Red Sox, 0.6. The season has been decided for the Red Sox. I'm curious as to, you know, whether JD gets traded. Arm and I were just talking before you guys recorded. And if the Red Sox don't do anything, I will be I will be really, really livid. Um, I think you can be comfortable letting anyone go not named Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts at this point. I think it's how do you deal with Bogarts? Because he doesn't want to negotiate before the season's up. Boris already said that. Like, that is cut and dry. They're not talking. He's also not being traded. He's been informed of that. You know, I'm not on the inside, obviously. And <laughs> the the way the way that the, the Red Sox work is it's all going to come down to whether John Henry wants to shell out the money. Because... Yeah. I don't know if the Trevor Story signing was even a Heimblum move. I could I could see that being a John Henry move um, at the end of the day. He's the one that spends all this money. Um, so, you know, it just really depends what Xander Bogarts wants. I wonder if he wants eight years or nine, like eight year deal. If he wants five years, I think we can make that happen. But if he wants eight, it, it's going to be really, really tough to, to the make. Boston Red Sox can't make eight years happen. The Boston Red Sox. Well, where does he stay long term? And arm back to microphone. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't you haven't considered the fact that Liverpool might need another midfielder. Yeah, you're right. I forgot, <laughs> but Sadio Mane's out the door. People forget that Sadio Mane's gone. So if Liverpool sells another forward. Maybe maybe John Henry will be comfortable yeah. <laughs> comfortable making a move or, or liquidating one. So you okay. can put it into so the. I, other. I was talking about this with Colby today because well, first of all. The two teams that I thought would suck this year, and then once I actually took the L on the Red Sox, I fully was like, "You took all right, the I took, L, yeah, I took the L." See, this is a lesson, kids: don't have humility, don't yeah. take the L, yeah. stay no, strong. Be assholes, yeah. yeah, like the way Peter is about Christian Javier, be like that. <laughs> just, just keep going, keep going, and then eventually something will happen, and you could be like, "See, was I really wrong?" <laughs> yeah. And that that's where I am on the Red Sox. I said I'm I'm wrong. The third best team in the AL. I, I don't know what they're a blind spot for me. And then they fell apart ever since I said that. And look, I, I they're they're way worse than I thought they would be. But at the end of the day, Colby brought it up today. Their over under win total was only 84 and a half. My problem is not really the way they've underachieved. It's it's the off season moves. And Colby's gonna freak out and leave the room because I've already said this to him like eight times. But, you know, if you're not even sure if you're going to extend Xander Bogarts, why are you throwing a hundred plus million at Trevor Story? Yeah, I don't know. And, and like, I do have to agree with Kobe to a degree. A Trevor Story signing doesn't seem like Heim Bloom. That doesn't, doesn't seem like a Heim Bloom type of move. That seems like John Henry almost panicking and saying, you got the green light. And obviously, if you're a GM and you, you hear last minute, you get the green light to shell out, you know, $100 million for players. Anybody on earth would rather have Trevor Story than not have him. Yeah. But if that has implications on 
you know, whether they retain Xander Bogarts, that's horrible. If you could really consider the fact that, you know, Kyle Schwarber probably could have been retained instead for the same amount of money. Schwarber just hit his 33rd bomb. Correct. And they have the worst first base, per, like overall, basically, war. Was it, is it the worst first base F war in baseball? Yeah. Worst first base F war in baseball. They could have just stuck Schwarber there. Um, yeah. So, you know, again, Kobe did bring up a good counterpoint that Devers was maybe a potential candidate to move to first before he decided to figure out how to play third base. So yeah. there was a lot of a lot of layers to this whole thing. But I think, you know, trading Renfro was crazy. And the funniest phenomenon that's happening with just baseball.com right now is that when Hunter Renfro homers, I figured this out because I'll monitor the traffic during the day. Yeah. And I think people will really appreciate this. I I see traffic spikes when Hunter Renfro homers. It's now happened twice. And I can attribute it to the homer because you see a spike in concurrent readers on the revisiting the Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley Jr. trade <laughs> article. So Clay Snowden wrote that article more than two weeks ago. Yeah. And, you know, like after a couple of weeks, it kind of gets fizzles out. Yeah, it fizzles out. Right. But it's not that competitive of a, of a term. So if you search Jackie Bradley Jr. trade or yeah. Hunter Renfro trade, we rank high for that. So, you know, I know exactly what happened and I can imagine it and I love it. It makes me yes. so happy. I love it. Hunter Renfro homers against the Red Sox and they go, God damn it. We could really use that guy right now. <laughs> what do we trade him for? Hey, Marty, what, what do we trade Renfro yeah. for? Yeah. And then they're like, uh, I don't know. Look it up. And then they Google it. They go to justbaseball.com and they go, motherfucker, we yeah. traded this man for Jackie Bradley Jr. Like that. that's exactly yeah. what I'm imagining. And you know what? It makes me so happy. And then he did it again today. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Traffic spike again. Traffic and then they spike. go for another Sam Adams because they need it. Need another Sammy Adams. I love that. Um, hey, uh, Colby, come over next to Arm real quick because I've got like rapid fire, quick fire questions. I think I've got four or five of them. So oh, I want you both me, answering them. Me. Okay. Um, there is one team in Major League Baseball in the month of July with an isolated power under 100. Arm first, then Colby. Who is that team? Marlins. Colby? Uh, Pirates. Uh, no, the Pirates uh, had a 127 isolated power. The Miami Marlins were the only team in baseball with an isolated power <laughs> under 100 in the oh, month of July. Come on, that was too easy. That was way too easy. All right, uh, is Austin Riley the National League MVP? Yes. No. No, not yet, but he will be. I think I, I think he legitimately will be. Will make a very strong case. This dude's July, like what he just did this past month is utterly incredible. He hit what 420 with 12 bombs. Yep. We, I texted you guys the pitch that he hit for a walk-off double to right center. Righty bat going to right center turned on a high 90s fastball that was below the zone and off the inside corner of the plate. The fact that he got his barrel to that pitch and drove it that far into the right center field gap tells you that he is on another planet that nobody else is on in baseball, not named Aaron Judge or Jordan Alvarez. It's Judge, Alvarez, and Austin Riley. So I'll say one thing, and I agree with all of that. He was considered an MVP candidate last year, right? Like he was like a top five finalist. He is already nearly matched his F4 total from last year. 4.7 F4 last year, 4.5 already this year. 33 home runs last year, already 29 this year. Uh, 
All the other numbers are roughly the same. He's slugging 60 points higher. WRC plus 26 points higher. I don't even know if that can includes today's stats as well. I think he's got a legitimate case here, man. He's right there. He's right there. Uh, for it, me right Goldschmidt. now, it's still Goldschmidt. And I, I'm a little biased because I really want to see Goldschmidt win it because mm-hmm. I really want Goldschmidt to to be a potential a Hall of Famer. Player. Yeah. So do you think, um, and I know like the MVP is not always indicative of team success, but do you think if, if the Cardinals don't win the NL Central and the Braves do win the NL East, Austin Riley could be the MVP? Yes, and I, I think there is potential for Goldschmidt to fall off a bit. He has, for his career, has always been a hot starter. Um, yeah. He does fall off in the second half, so I really could see that happening. Yeah, okay. I got um, I got to say, dude, if the season ends today, Goldie's numbers are just so ridiculous. They're stupid. 33-4-14-6-11. It's Goldie's award to lose, but I think he loses it. I don't want him to. I, I love Goldie, too, but I, I, I just I, – I think I – think, Austin Riley could make a really strong case. And we know at the end of the day, home run totals always, always get people going and Riley could get 50. Riley could get to 50. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt. Do you, do you want to guess his slash line against left-handed pitching this year? Or do you just want me to tell you? Just tell us. Paul Goldschmidt in 67 at bats against left-handed pitchers is slashing 463, 550, 881. It's a 1431 OPS against left-handed pitching. <laughs> is that the most fucked up thing you've ever heard in your life? Is it just like, does he just, from a left hand, it just, it just looks 10 times larger. I don't understand. I don't understand either. Like I, I don't get it. Also, you have a case of the Mondays. Paul Goldschmidt does not. He's hitting 412 on Mondays. Shout out the research portal. The research portal. <laughs> I, I could bet. I would know instantly. If you start bringing up slash lines by day, I know exactly where you are. Wait, hold on. In games following a loss, Paul Goldschmidt's hitting 345. He's, he's Is he built different. He's built different. He's built different. Guy turns the page. <laughs> Purple devil emoji. He turns the page better than anybody. Okay. Uh, what team is Juan Soto on on Wednesday? Talked about this with Peter. I'm going to ask it every episode until Wednesday. The Nationals. The Nationals are my number one answer. My number two answer is the Padres. Padres are my number one answer. The Nationals are my number two answer. So naturally, the Mariners or some shit. I was I was actually the Guardians go all in. (laughs) I was gonna say the uh, uh, you know, I had I had somebody tell me the Orioles, and like I don't hate it. I think they could do it, and the control is very very enticing. But the Orioles wouldn't do it. Yeah, it would be wild. Well, the Guardians should should fuck around and do it realistically, but they won't. Wait, real quick, give me give me your package there. It's Gunner DL Hall. Who else from there? Gunner, DL Hall, Hayes. Yeah, you got to put Hayes you in gotta there. Got to move Hayes. Um, I Kowser, Kowser, and then like one other, you know, Vavra, middle level. Yeah, Vavra. That's a. Hall. I mean, they really can. Put they could do it. A hall that they matches do it. The and they keep Grayson Rodriguez in that deal. And they, they keep Adley keep, Rutschman. And they and keep, keep Adley Rutschman. And they keep Mayo. And, and they keep Sowers. And they keep Kirsten. They keep everybody. So guys. Yeah. It's incredible what they do can it. do. Do it. Do it, Baltimore. Um, Cleveland, right. Baltimore, please. <laughs> Just do something. Um, all right. Other names that we want to see go in the next 24 hours to 48 hours. Who are they? Carlos Rodon. I want to I see want that to guy pitch some meaningful innings. 
White Sox fumbled the bag for him last year, basically by sucking. Um, And then, you know, I know he fell off a little bit too, but like, and then also you have the Giants just sucking. He's an awesome story. It's a lot of fun. I'd love to see Rodon on a big stage. I want to see Jock Peterson moved because again, Peterson's a gamer, much like what he did in Atlanta. So we're, we're all eyes are on San Francisco right now. If you can move Rodon and I can see him screaming like a banshee in October and get the, I mean, just, I want to see his breath and I want to see that 99 mile an hour fastball on pitch number 105. And I want to see him let out a warrior cry to end the seventh inning. And then I want to see Jock bring the pearls back and I want to see him hit one of the fucking moon. It would be awesome to see Jock Peterson play meaningful baseball too. Colby, who's at the top of your mind that might not be on the move? Yeah, before I, before I get to that, Jack, Jock Peterson to the Braves makes a lot of sense again. I <laughs> would love Jock Peterson to Atlanta. Back to Atlanta, another World Series. Uh, I'm going to go against the grain here, and I'm going to say Joey Gallo. Uh, yeah. Not someone that, that might help a winner right now, but I just really want to see him get out of New York, clear his mind, and just see that guy happy again. Yeah, it it really is... It really does hurt me every time I see him, you know, do the Bobby doll back after he strikes out, like wincing, like doing that, that forced smile. Mm, like yeah. I can't hit. <laughs> yeah. It it would be nice to see him get back to a, a better Joey Gallo. Yeah. All right. One more question for Colby and then one more for Aram. Colby, best card you picked up at the national. Uh, the best card I picked up at the national is actually not a baseball card. I picked up a F1. LeBron James triple it's logo a, man <laughs> I want it I want it um it's a recreation of a 2007 slam magazine uh that's it's really really cool yeah they made a card card inserts like that were you know of each of the different slam covers and the LeBron one is super cool and it was like a perfect 10 and uh people really like them and that was a sick pickup by Colby hell yeah that's awesome do you get any non-baseball arm what do you think no, of course not. I almost bought you an F1 card, but it was like it was like 50 bucks. And I'm like, dude, who was the drugs? Uh, it was Russell Russell. Oh, I don't really like Russell that much. George Russell. I, I'm not a big. But you don't like Russell the way guy. he turns the wheel versus how the other guys turn the wheel. No, I, li- I like the way Charles Leclerc turns the wheel. OK, cool. Yeah, I'm a Leclerc guy. Does, and Leclerc, does Leclerc have the, the faster car than everybody else or do no. who? Okay, no. he doesn't. He doesn't. No. So, no, some guys have faster cars than other people. Well, which... before this, Lewis Hamilton had faster cars than everybody else. But now, Leclerc, like, I wouldn't call Ferrari the fastest car. Ferrari has had some real issues managing races recently, and Colby can can touch on this if we want, or we didn't can get ask. back to baseball on the Just Baseball yeah. show. No, didn't ask. <laughs> you know, it's more just trying to just trying to troll F1. I mean, the fact that some cars are faster than the others is dumb as shit. Okay. Right. I'm still going to watch it on Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, go Aram, ahead. <laughs> last question for you, man. Yeah. Uh, how good can James Outman be? That dude, that's, that's, that's a million dollar question, right? I, I think he could be really good. Um, you know, I, I really trust that the Dodgers can help steer him in the right direction because super gifted, really exciting bat speed, a really good athlete where, you know, you put him in the wrong organization and you know, he maybe didn't make it past double A. No, no. You put him in the wrong organization, and maybe he struggles to really develop as a hitter. But with his risky profile, he continues to get better and continues to get better. And I think in the Dodgers organization, the fact that they're calling him up right now is a big sign of faith. He's gonna swing and miss, 
but he's going to do a lot of other things well. I think James Altman can be a really good above average regular. I think so too. And I think James Altman was, and I, I really like what Zach McKinstry does. I think McKinstry provides a little bit more defensive versatility, but I think having Altman in the fold as opposed way to more, McKinstry way is an more immediate impact. upgrade. Way more. You're talking about a guy with 20 to 25 home run potential. And 20 steel potential. 20 too. steel potential and in a good glove that can play all three outfield spots. Yes. And he more finished impact. a triple shy of the cycle in his major league debut. And Gavin Lux can play all over the infield, right? You don't need yeah. another guy. Versatility isn't as valuable. No, and you have Chris Taylor. Yeah. You're I good. like it. But I also really like the McKinstry get for, for the, the Cubs. Cubs. I and like it a lot. He's a Fort Wayne guy. And he knew what Lou Malnati's was when he was see- when he was speaking to the media too. So this guy understands the deep dish scene in Chicago, and uh, I think that he will get some free deep dish pizza when he shows up to Wrigley Field, which is going to be awesome. Is that awesome? I-, I think I'd rather have thin crust. And with that, <laughs> Peter and I, Peter and I will talk to you tomorrow. Uh, hopefully, we have more trades. Please. Yeah.